0: Hey PodFam, thanks for tuning in to an all new episode of Burphean Bubbles. I'm Dia and I'm here with my dear friend and co-host Simi. Today we are so thrilled to have the founder of the Sumaira Foundation, Sumaira Ahmed, as our guest of honor. Sumaira was diagnosed with neuromyelitis optica spectrum disorder, also known as NMO, about seven years ago. And since then she founded her foundation. Which is dedicated to generating global awareness of NMO, all while fundraising to help find a cure and really creating a community of support for patients and their caregivers. So, thank you, Sumaira, for joining Simi and I to talk about your story from what your journey's really been
1: from pre diagnosis to where you are today. Sumaira, thanks again. I echo Dia's sentiment. Uh, thank you for being here. Before we dig into your journey, to diagnosis, can you just share with us what is NMO?
2: So thanks for having me on the show, Dia and Simi. I'm really happy to be here. It's my absolute pleasure. And thank you for giving me this platform to talk about NMO and the foundation. So let's start from the basics. What is NMO? NMO, as Dia said, stands for neuromyelitis optica. It is a rare autoimmune disease that affects the optic nerves and spinal cord, resulting in vision loss, paralysis, incontinence, Weakness, numbness, and and so much more. Uh, we have no idea why it happens, so the cause is unknown, and unfortunately, right now there is no cure. Um, but I started the Samira Foundation, which we now endearingly refer to as. TSF two months after I got diagnosed myself with hopes of educating the world about this disease, fundraising to support research to find a cure, and um, building a global community of support for patients and their caregivers, because nobody should be going through this alone.
1: And was NMO on your radar before your diagnosis? We'd love to hear a little bit about what your journey was to that diagnosis as such a rare autoimmune disease.
2: Yeah, so great question. It was definitely not on my radar, even though I did work in ophthalmology at that point, I had been working in ophthalmology for four years. So um, it started for me very similarly to how it starts for other patients. I had a little teeny black circle in my right eye. It was the beginning of the summer. I kind of just assumed that it was um, from looking at the sun for too long, maybe. But over a period of three, four days, this small circle basically engulfed my entire right eye um, to the point where I had severe visual field deficit, Thankfully, as I said, I worked in I worked in ophthalmology, so I was able to access treatments and testing right away. And um, my colleagues at the time they they checked me out, they evaluated everything, um, and could see that clearly there was something wrong. I could not see, but structurally they were unable to identify anything, which made um, we had to escalate to the next level, which was getting an MRI and. Uh, long story short, I remember very vividly, it was the 4th of July weekend 2014. Um, I went to our local hospital hospital here at Mass Ioneer for what I thought was going to be a scheduled in-and-out MRI. I ended up being in the emergency room that day for 14 hours, having seen about five or six different specialists, everyone sort of scratching their heads wondering why is a 24-year-old otherwise healthy woman rapidly losing vision with no, for no rhyme or reason? Um, my first episode, I, I was admitted into the hospital in adult neurology. I was treated with IV steroids. And when I was discharged, I was told that um, I had an idiopathic case of optic neuritis. So for those of you who don't know what that means, idiopathic is kind of like a fluke incident. Like it's, it's not expected to happen again. And the expectation was that my vision would come back within three months to a year. And I was uh, advised to just kind of move on with my life. And that's exactly what I tried to do, except four weeks after my initial episode, um, the vision regressed significantly. So in both eyes now, and in addition to a visual field deficit, which means I've lost at this point, all peripheral vision, the field of vision that I could see out of regressed from 2020 to 2600 in a period of three days to the point where I could not see or identify the E on the Snellen chart, which is the eye chart you see in in eye doctor's offices. Um, Additionally, I had developed severe nausea. I was feeling tingling and numbness in my hands and my feet. And that's when we knew that there there was something else going on. And uh, I was rushed to the hospital, had a number of uh, MRIs. I had my first lumbar puncture, um, got evaluated by so many different doctors after which they concluded that uh, I have zero negative neuromyelitis optica. Mm, that's sort of what we've stuck with for the last seven years, even though I continue to test negative for the antibody, which I should say 30% of patients test negative for the antibody. Okay.
0: And is this with NMO, is this something that's common within the South Asian community? Um, Cause I know that I personally, honestly didn't hear of NMO until you were diagnosed with it years ago. And whereas, you know, there's so many other autoimmune d- diseases and just many other diseases and illnesses that we have heard of, but is it common within our community or is it misdiagnosed for other diseases possibly um, as well?
2: Great question. And I'm so glad that you brought this up because in fact, NMO is more prevalent in Asian communities. Um, So right now the statistics are this, 10 out of a million people get diagnosed. It's about a 60-40 split between men, uh, women getting it versus men. And um, they have found a significant prevalence in Asian communities. Only recently, since the foundation has gone global, have I been more in touch with patients. Let's say in India and in Bangladesh, and in, in um, Nepal and Sri Lanka, Bhutan, and I think it's all of the above. The uh, you know, there's a ton of misdiagnosis. Thirty five percent of patients are misdiagnosed with MS, and I, I I alluded to it earlier. MS is similar, but it's treated differently and. When you're misdiagnosed, you're getting treated with all of the wrong medications, which could cause more and more severe and permanent damage. So, there may be a lot of NMO patients within the Asian community that we just don't know about because they're hesitant to come forward and say that they have this for whatever reason, maybe some kind of cultural stigma. But it's definitely prevalent in Asia. That is 100% for sure.
1: I really appreciate you kind of rooting your story in the larger context of the NMO community, the path to diagnosis, the misdiagnoses, and, you know, perhaps the prevalence statistically that we're seeing. I'm really curious about what this unexpected journey meant for you. So you shared that you were, you know, 24, 25 when you went on this rapid kind of Uh, discovery of what was happening inside your body. How did it, you know, I, I imagine you were a young adult at the time, kind of living and carving out your best life. How did it start to shift? And in what ways did it shift your ways of thinking and feeling and being?
0: The
2: first, from the first episode until the second episode, and the second episode is when I got diagnosed. So that time in between, nothing had fundamentally changed for me, except for the fact that I had some vision loss. And it's, I don't mean to sound so casual about it, but compared to everything that happened after the fact, it, it in hindsight feels very, very casual and not that big of a deal that I couldn't see out of my right eye you know, I'm now being poked and prodded from all different kinds of angles to, for the doctors to figure out what was going on because it took a while. I mean, for me, it took six weeks to get diagnosed and those six weeks felt very long to me, but actually in our community, patients don't get diagnosed for years. So uh, all this to say that like, I was so lucky to be In Boston, I was so lucky to be working in healthcare, to be connected to everyone who I was connected to. But even so, that diagnosis changed everything for me. Um, As soon as I heard the words and everyone around me told me not to Google it, I knew this was not going to be easy. But... um, sorry. Sometimes I get emotional when I talk about it. Uh, So it's been seven years, but um, I've come such a long way, but you still, when you think about those beginning days, it's hard. Um, Sometimes I look at pictures of myself from before I got NMO and there was so much innocence and naivete in, in that girl's eyes that it's hard for me to look at that. I feel scared for that person because she had no idea what was coming her way. But um, getting sick was the biggest blessing of my life. I found so much purpose. And within two months, I founded this nonprofit because I, I, I knew I had to do something. I felt like this had happened to me for a reason. And I was gonna figure it out. I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I knew that I wasn't the only one out there, but I was so lucky that I got diagnosed in such a short period of time. And I was in the best care and getting the best treatments and I needed to help other people. And so came out the Samira Foundation in uh, October of 2014.
1: That's a beautiful story. And thank you for sharing it with us. And you know, I, I, D, and I can only imagine what that journey must have been like. And it's inspiring to hear how you took that challenge and actually found within your locus of control an amazing platform to thrive um, and, and leverage your privilege in a way that I believe now is providing space and community and awareness and advocacy for others. You've referred to this idea of treatment. Would you mind just walking us through what does that like actually look like?
2: Yeah. So um, there are two different kinds of treatments we need to differentiate. There's the acute treatment and there's preventative treatment. So acute treatment happens when you are having a relapse or an attack. Those, use, those words are used interchangeably in our community. It kind of depends what your preference is. But um, if you are having an attack, the acute treatments are IV steroids, plasmapheresis, and then they start the immune suppressive therapy. So the preventative treatment is the immunosuppressive therapy. There, you know, just shuts down your immune system. And when I got sick, there was um, everything that we were being treated with was off label. Um, So they may have been FDA approved for something else, or they were experimental. I will say that 18 months ago, Our community experienced its first FDA-approved therapy, and we now have three, which is wonderful. And it it just goes to show you that so much can happen in such a short period of time. Patients in our community, newly diagnosed patients in our community now have options. That's incredible. That's life-changing. And for me, as a patient and as an advocate, it gives me a lot of hope that maybe a cure isn't so far.
0: Yeah, and I just think it's so incredible, like Simi had said, you starting your foundation. Um, So many people are diagnosed with diseases and illnesses, but for you to start that foundation soon after, it's not something you started a year or two or three years later, like it was very instantaneous for you. And since starting that foundation, I know you host fundraisers and you're just doing so much for the NMO community What has it been like meeting other NMO patients and getting to know them, and just being able to kind of be within that community and creating the space for them in terms of having this platform? Because where TSF was seven years ago when you started it to where it is today, like did you even in your wildest dreams foresee it being where it is right now so soon? Because seven years. It's not that long of a time for a nonprofit organization, for everything that you've accomplished in this duration.
2: Thank you. Thank you for all the kind words. It's very weird to hear all of that. (laughs) For me, I'm never going to be satisfied until we find a cure. So I feel like I haven't done enough in seven years. But um, just to speak to your earlier point, it was this very inherent... um, fight or flight kind of moment that I had when, when I put two and two together and said, Hey, I have this, a lot of other people do too. And there is not much going on around it. It clicked to me. I like did this vision board and I was like, what are my skills? What's missing? What can we do? So, um, I felt like I was in survival mode. I was like, I got to do something. This could be what saves my life selfishly, but also what saves other patients' lives. So yeah, and when we started it, I started it with my attorney who is also a very good friend of mine and we're doing a ton of other work together now in the rare disease space. But you know, I I remember I called him. I said, hey, you need to come over, I have an idea. And we were on the swing sets in my local playground and I said to him, I said, I wanna start a foundation. I don't know exactly what that looks like right now, but one thing is for sure is I need everybody and anyone to know about NMO if we're gonna make a difference here. So let's just start with awareness. And truth be told, Thea, I couldn't have imagined in my wildest dreams what what it would become. The foundation has sort of taken on a life of its own. We've created, and, and I cannot take credit for it on my own. I have an amazing team. Over the last seven years, we've created this beautiful, vibrant, happy, positive, optimistic world of TSF that I hope and believe brings so much hope to patients that your diagnosis is not what's going to define you. This is not the end of your life. And if we're going to fight this, we need to fight it together and we need to fight it with, with grace. And here we are, seven years later, we are expanding globally now, um, we're expanding to other disease states. So I don't know, maybe the lesson is the sky's the limit.
1: I think that's well put. It it always should be that way. Um, you You've clearly carved out space and created a North Star in cultivating a, a supportive community for others. And as you went through your diagnosis, you kind of said your diagnosis is is not the end of your life. And it's, it sounds almost like it was just the tip of the iceberg, you know, it gave you language to what you were, your body was experiencing, but it certainly did not claim all the things that your body was going to go through. Um, how did you, what did a community look like for you in that moment? You know, something that we think about, um, and talk about in and Bubbles is the way in which we create community or respond to our community or our community responds to us. And so what did that, we're just curious to you know, what did that look like for you as you went through that, that journey of diagnosis and treatment? And as you on your own are experiencing what it means to sit with NMO inside of your body and create space for other people to find safety and community and support. How are you tapping into your celebrative kind of optimism, hope and joy and and what role did community play in that? Well, community is everything. It was everything. It is
2: everything. And it will continue to be everything. I cannot imagine having gone through this alone. So for me, the community started uh, just within the hospital alone. All the doctors, when they when they found out I had NMO, and they saw how young I was and how otherwise healthy and vibrant I was, they came. They came to my rescue almost, and I had my doctors on speed dial. I could text them at any time I wanted to. Um, My work, they were so supportive. My family, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky to have the family that I have. Even, you know, the Bengali community that I grew up with in New Jersey was so supportive. And I think what it was, was that it was such a shock to everybody's system that me, of all people, Got so severely sick out of nowhere. I mean, it just kind of came out of left field. And I feel like when you go through tragedy or some kind of, you know, chaotic time in your life, you see the people who are really there for you and um, who's supportive and who's not. And in my case, the support was overwhelming. I mean, people from all kinds of woodworks from my past life and, you know, from my professional life, or if I met them on a plane one time and we became friends on Facebook, like everybody reached out. And I knew how lucky I was to have that. But I also recognized that other people do not have that. And that's why we needed to create it. There were communities online that already existed for NMO. There was Facebook groups, and I think that was wonderful. I actually tapped into that first, and that's how I met my first like NMO friends. Um, but as we were developing the foundation, I, I realized that there needed to be a little bit more of a concerted effort around community development, community engagement. Let's talk about these things with each other um, and and lean on each other. So for me... Um, as a person, as a patient, as an advocate, as a leader, community is,
1: it's it's the crux of it all. And what we know that, so I know, we know that you hold a title that is Miss Bangladesh USA, and I don't know if I'm getting that right, so I'll look to you to correct it, but from my understanding, that was happening on a, in a similar timeline as your discovery, your diagnosis, and your treatment, and I'm so interested in this because as someone who doesn't have NMO and has the privilege of, in this moment, knowing what my body is going through and is bringing to me, there's such a dichotomy between the way in which your body was in many ways betraying, the the way in which you defined it, and then being able to kind of spotlight it um, as part of this community. Can you walk us through a little bit about what your um, desire was and how you held that complexity and and power, you know?
2: Oh, yeah. It was a wild time. Wild time. That first year was uh, something else. And Again, I think I was in this fight or flight mode, kind of on autopilot. Um, I didn't think about doing things, I just kind of did them. So uh, with the pageant, Ms. Bangladesh USA, this was actually, yeah, it was the first year they were doing it. And and at that time they were doing a national virtual competition. I knew nothing about it. My family friend nominated me, for the for to to be in the running, and then a bunch of other people in the Bengali community nominated me too, and I at the time I was like, do they feel bad for what I'm going through? Like I'm never going to win a beauty pageant. I was losing my hair from aggressive chemotherapy. My face was so swollen from um, months and months of high dose of prednisone, which is steroids. You know, I. I was a mess. My body was so skinny, which I kind of miss, but it was just a mess. <laughs> I, I did not look like what I used to look like when I was you know, dancing and acting and modeling and da-da-da-da. I didn't feel beautiful. And to me, I certainly didn't look beautiful. So entering a beauty pageant made absolutely no sense. But at the same time, when I started seeing that there was interest in me running for this thing or you know competing to, to win it, It was happening in parallel with uh, growing the foundation or starting it rather. And I thought to myself, wouldn't this be such a great way to, at the very least, share what NMO is to all these people who are now following this journey? And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Beauty is skin deep. I don't look great right now, but I have a story and this is a great platform. And that's sort of the approach that I took. Lo and behold, I somehow won. <laughs> I don't know how. Maybe it was a mistake, but I did, and um, it was uh, it was an amazing, ironic experience because it just made no sense to me. But now um, I'm so happy to always be able to say that I was the first one. It, this uh, organization has evolved. They continue to recruit amazing um, Bangladeshi American women for their uh, title holders, and uh, what an honor it was for me. And
1: I, I still love to tell people I won,
2: especially when I was the ugliest.
1: I don't believe that, and as you should. That's that's a title to celebrate. I have two two things. One is, first of all, the dichotomy is beautiful. And second of all, do you still have your sash and or crown and has it traveled with you throughout your life? Oh, I
2: definitely have it. And I definitely wear it sometimes. There's no question. I could be eating dinner, which might be like a TV dinner, watching Housewives, and I'll be wearing it because why not?
0: That's too funny. That's great. No, and as you should. I mean, listen, There's you, you should be wearing it and rocking it for years and years to come. Um, and I wanna kind of talk about your foundation and the community that you've really, really built. Can you share with us one of the, and I know it's, all of these stories are inspiring of all the you know, other NMO um, patients that you've met. What's someone you've met through your foundation, a story that's just really resonated with you the most in terms of, you know, kind of you carry with you almost like inspires you in why you're, what you're doing. And I know it's a tough question because I'm sure there's so many people, but sometimes, you know, there's always that one or two, those one or two stories that really, really, you know, get to each of us to a different level.
2: Oh, you're going to get me in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Okay. So I will say this I'm very lucky to be in touch with as many patients as I am from all over the world, from all walks of life. Everybody's story is so unique in their own way, but they're also similar too. So it's very interesting from where I stand to connect a lot of these dots um, with the stories. Uh, all of the stories move me. I feel like no matter how different I am from a patient, it could be political views or social. socially they're different. When I find out they have NMO, there is just an instant bond that, that really clues us together. The stories that move me the most um, are the ones with the children. And I think that's what really keeps me going. I have a very, very soft spot for kids. And babies and um, NMO sucks, obviously, for adults or anyone, but when I see children go through it, I, I can't handle that. And that that is really what keeps me going, because I don't want these kids to live uh, a difficult life with something that doesn't have to be difficult if we just, you know, put our forces together. So uh, there have been a few pediatric stories that have really, really, really moved me, one of which resulted in the foundation developing a pediatric-specific NMO grant, the only one that exists in the world. Um, We named it after her in homage to this young uh, warrior who lost her fight to NMO, and uh, hopefully we can keep her legacy going strong by continuing to fund pediatric research. But You know, the uh, the stories, all of them, they're incredible. They're inspiring. Some of them are tragic. Uh, You want to save everybody. Unfortunately, I can't. But by giving these people um, a platform to share their stories, I think we're doing a little bit to help ease, you know, the healing and the recovery from all of this.
0: Well, I think you're doing a lot of bit to help all of that. And how can people? help your foundation so you know for people listening and people within our communities like friends and families like what can people do to really help tsf in terms of you know can they donate on the website um spread awareness what's the best way that you would like for people to really spread awareness
2: insert cardi b's song money right now (laughs) Uh, yeah, definitely donate. If you have money to donate, it could be $5, it could be $5,000. Please donate because that's what's ultimately going to drive research to find a cure. Um, you can easily make a donation on our website, which is Um, or you can donate on Facebook. There are other creative ways to give back to TSF. We're on Amazon Smile. So 0.5% of your purchase. Um, Go towards the foundation. We have a whole bunch of events, and uh, pre pandemic, we were kind of known for our bump in events. i excited to have our first in person fundraiser coming up in five short weeks. Um, so, and then we have our annual gala, we have a bunch of merchandise, read the stories, listen to patients, share our posts, um, and just keep keep an open mind and an open heart and open ears to this community and beyond. It's not just NMO. There's so many, there are like 200 rare diseases that nobody really talks about or knows about, but just because there aren't many of them doesn't mean that they don't deserve attention. So I think uh, just give us your attention.
1: Well, Samair, we're so thankful that you carved out some time to, to share your story with us and you know, as as, in hearing your story, there's a couple of things that really struck out to me. This, you are a woman, a badass woman who holds it all. You were a young adult finding out something was happening inside your body that you had no idea was happening you're going through treatment, you're on a beauty pageant stage, you're starting a foundation, you're nested professionally within a field where you have access to treatment and privilege and you take that and you kind of shine it outwards towards others. So I what I take from your story is just this persistence and this tenacity that is both about uplifting yourself but uplifting those around you so thank you so much for sharing that story with us and you know we like to end our um our time with our guests with some rapid fire questions so dia has a couple that she's going to ask you now and um, hopefully it'll be fun and playful and you know we're all about shining light on what it means to be complex human beings you know we can go through hardship and find joy we can be challenged and it can be a blessing um and so thank you again for being here and i'm eager to hear what some of your answers are
0: all right and i promise it'll be painless (laughs) and i'm nervous don't be nervous three quick rapid fire questions so you know your love of fashion and Makeup, so I have to. I this just has to be my first question. If you could only use one makeup item for the rest of your life, what would it be? Eyebrow gel. Oh, okay.
2: I take my eyebrows very seriously.
0: Yeah, you know that. (laughs) That's actually a good answer because I'm like, what would I say? And that might be a top top five contender. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Favorite childhood TV show.
2: Oh man. Rugrats? Mm. (laughs) Rugrats for sure. Me and my sister Diana and I were obsessed with Rugrats actually. Rugrats and Doug. And
0: cake or pie?
2: Oh, cake, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite's carrot cake. If anyone's asking, my birthday is coming up. Please feel free to send me as much <laughs> carrot cake as you <laughs>
0: want. <laughs> we'll we'll make sure to promote Samara's birthday on our social media. So please oh. look out.
2: <laughs> Guys, this was amazing. Thank you for having me. Thank and, you. Um, I, uh, the questions were awesome. This wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be.
0: <laughs> but
2: um, I just want to say that... Um, this all is part of my journey and I am so grateful now, seven years later, to have gotten afflicted with this or whatever you want to say. It's made my life better. I have a beautiful uh, purpose in life. Whenever I meet patients, I'm, I'm the happiest. Uh, I'm so whole. I'm so fulfilled and, and I, I feel so blessed to feel as satisfied as I do, um, so thank you for letting me talk about my story. I hope that it inspires other people to go out there and and make a difference and, and take risks. Um, and yeah, this was this is incredible. Thank you,
0: thank you for just you. being so open and honest and transparent and vulnerable with us. We so so appreciate it, and we do hope to have you on again soon as you continue to grow your foundation. You know, now I can only imagine where it's going to be. Um, And like Samara mentioned, for those that want to get more information about her foundation, you can on her website. We actually have all of that linked in the show notes of this episode. So you can actually go right to her website from there. And in the meantime, feel free to follow us on social media at Rufian Bubbles. Until next time, stay blessed.